to Battle Love Podcast. Tamu is sitting next to me. I am sitting next to you. And I'm Mallory. And Gretchen is sitting across from us. Yay! Hi, welcome back again, Gretchen. Woohoo! This is so exciting. Yes. Again, our <laughs> benefactress, we used to record here. We recorded our first podcast here, our second podcast here. Gretchen's getting a plaque when we hit 5,000 downloads. <laughs> oh. Put that on the door. I just it's have to come up with a name. <laughs> for the award that we're yeah. going to, the fake award. <laughs> it'll, no, it'll be realistic, but no one will understand what it's for. No, that's that's awesome. I hope you're okay yeah. with that. I think yeah, that's yeah, perfectly yeah. awesome. It'll increase the value of my house. I always see, like, and I don't, they're not fake, I'm sure, but all of our friends in our podcast community are, like, a part, like, going to be up for these podcasting awards. And I'm just thinking, like, if we just made one up, <laughs> which actually is and possible, said we won. It's possible now because actually my new roommate works for a company that engraves crystal trophies. <gasps> oh my god, we can get a crystal perfect. trophy! Perfect, perfect. <laughs> Amy, yep. If you're listening, <laughs> we need a trophy that says "Best Podcast in Minneapolis, St. Paul slash Twin Cities." <laughs> That says Evar. Ever. E-V-A-R. Yes. Evar. Yes. <laughs> that way they know it's not real real. That's right. It's, 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 it's suspicious. <laughs> oh my God. It's what? It's auspicious. <laughs> That's the occasion. Okay. All ahead. right. So Gretchen, um, I always ask a question in the beginning. Now this was a, Tamu, you already took a glance at the question, but this was a very hot topic. I went with one of my friends. And we went to go see Weird Al in Milwaukee. So while we were waiting for Weird Al to come on stage, he I don't even remember how the discussion really came up. I think it had to do with the fact that we saw on the monitors saying that it was a smoke-free zone. And then they actually even had a vape that had, like, no the vaping? circle cross out. No vaping. Okay. And then I mentioned it, and he said, like, oh, well, the whole town is actually they had a law in place where you couldn't even smoke outside what is this, a footloose town? Apparently. No dancing, I was like, well, no vaping, <laughs> no drinking. Wow. Nowhere in town. And I was like, well, that's interesting because, like, I knew that there had been coming into place a few of those where they were saying, you know, this area, you're not allowed to do that. And he said, smoking should not be allowed until you're 21. And I said, interesting. And he's like, why? And I said, because I disagree. I'm like, I actually think we should be able to drink at even 18 because if we can send people into war yeah. and they can lose their lives, why the hell is it not legal for them to take a little hit of tobacco and to take a shot? Mm-hmm. Like, they should be able to do these things. And it became like this weirdly vehement conversation. He, I could tell, was very uncomfortable with it. But he also has a daughter who has recently turned 18. Mm-hmm. He knows that within school how easy it is to get cigarettes and tobacco because, mm-hmm. like, it's much easier than alcohol, he says, because they can just go and buy it and mm-hmm. easily distribute it to kids. And I said, well, what is stopping this from age 21? What are kids? Well, and right. What are kids I was like, like, if you're 18. Who are they distributing it to? Well, and I was like, at age 18, these people can definitely get a house. They can, de- like, they're adults. So why aren't we allowing them to give them these adults? And he said, there just needs to be regulations. He was very vehement. He's like, there just needs to be regulations. And I said, maybe in our culture. Like, having traveled to a lot of other countries, it's not as, it's very different drinking and smoking-wise than it is here. Mm -hmm. They have a very different relationship with it. So maybe, Mm -hmm. yes, we are a culture. But he was very staunch and firm that we need to regulate. It needs to be age 21 for everything. And he's like, brain development-wise, just, 
age 21, it needs to be what it is. So I was curious, considering how heavy apparently this conversation was, your thoughts. I'll let Gretchen go as our guest and benefactress. <laughs> well, this conversation has been going on an awful long time. And I, I agree that if somebody can go into the armed services and die for their country, they should be able to smoke and drink mm-hmm. and make that choice and not have that regulated away from them. And if, you know, following this guy, if he feels that age of 18 is too young, then in age of 18 is too young to require somebody to Thank you. go into the armed forces. He said they were two separate subjects. No, they're he not. He said no, you can't put one into the other because <laughs> no. they're, and I was like, how? No. And he's been, a, he was in the Navy oh, for, right. I want to say, about five years. So I was like, I feel like you should know this more. But like, anyway, mm-hmm. continue. So why does it have to be 21 and 18? Why don't we just say it's 19 or 20? Mm-hmm. You know, most, most kids are heading off to college, you know, 18, 19 years old. So let's just split the difference and say 19 mm-hmm. for all this. You can go serve your country. You can drink. You can smoke. Because let's face it, most, peop- most kids are out of the house by the, that age. Even Not earlier. Not anymore. Going, well, that's yes, that's more. shifting, right. But there, even if you're in your house at that age, you should be able to do that. I, I just don't get that. It's Well, and most people, because his theory was, is he's saying these kids are getting addicted too early. It's being tossed around. People think it's cool. And I said, no, here's the thing. Most people that you know who smoke right now, if you ask them, they didn't forever. start yeah. when they were 17 years old right. or whatever. Like they, most people, 13 years old, it's, yeah. it's they were smoking and drinking. Right. It's starting it's in grade young. school. And I was like, which is to say, like, changing it to 21 is not going to change anything. No. And I it was just like, makes it legal. Right. And I was like, and the main Doesn't thing mean is, I'm like, doing it already. weed right now isn't legal. And I'm like, yeah, that's still clearly a problem. He's like, well, it's not because it's not being regulated and it's not being, like, it's it's a different type of thing. And I was like, how? How Info- is it Information different? is power. People that say that say <laughs> they're, they're woefully Thank ignorant. You. They're woefully ignorant. And it's I told like, him the same addiction, thing. Addiction really has no age. But as time has gone on, it's getting younger and younger and younger. My brother got addicted on stuff when he was much younger. Yes. That age. You know, I was exposed to that stuff when I was not even in my teens. I mean, it happens, right? I have friends of mine, the same thing. We, you know, it depends on a number of different things. But if you really want to experiment with that stuff, it's you there. Right. Thank if you. You can have it in the household. You don't necessarily have to go to your friends. Right. If your parents have a liquor cabinet, an ammunition cabinet, mm-hmm. you know, it's there. You, All you're doing is just making it more cool because you're not giving any information. More mistakes can happen because they're not getting information. More likely to do it, I would say, because if you've never heard of it before and someone's like, hey, have a cigarette, which I would hope that you would know. Yeah, I can't speak about my sister. We never discussed that. <laughs> uh, my brother and I discussed the, it, but there's, there's nothing, I mean, you can put in sex in there. Thank you. you. Can... He was saying you can't because they're all completely separate subjects. And I was like, that's not true. And as far as the brain, you know, developing and all that, I'm sorry. Like that happens way before the age of 18. Mm-hmm. So that's just, again, woeful ignorance about how people developed, you know, you have the ability to reason, determine between right and wrong by the time you're age 11, 12, Mm -hmm. right? So up to that point, you're extremely vulnerable to these things. So 
you know, in that parents need to be very careful Thank about the you. environment. It's about the parents. They need Thank to you. be more aware <laughs> of what's going on in the school. They need to be more aware of the friends and kind of what they're doing. I'm not saying control freaks. I'm saying aware. And you need to model and you need to have conversations. You need to cultivate a relationship with your kids so they don't hide this stuff from you. They come to you and say, you know, I'm being pressured to do X, Y, and Z, and it makes me uncomfortable. What should I do? And you're like, yeah, this is normal. This happens about this age. So tell me why you're uncomfortable. And you just have the conversation. Now, wow, if you it, now want enlightened parents. <laughs> right. But most parents are like, oh, I'm scared. I don't want to have a conversation. Or they don't have the conversation. Because in my family, yep. because I grew up amongst the potheads. screen, by the way. <laughs> the I, microphones can handle it. <laughs> I grew up amongst potheads. My dad started smoking when he was like 14. Yes, that causes an impact, as I have learned and seen throughout my life of seeing him, right? So we never, I mean, the only time, I can only remember him once telling me, don't do what I do. Hmm. But in the meantime, there's weed, there's cocaine, there's all kinds of shit in my, ho- in my house. There are points in time where we have had suitcases full of weed in my house. There are times when I have come and seen the, the aluminum foil of cocaine in my house. There are times where I've seen the cocaine weight in my house. There are times where I've seen the vial of cocaine in my house. I'm home alone. I'm a latchkey kid. You guys aren't here. You don't know what I'm doing. I'm not doing it because I was like, I don't want to do this. But it's the, it was there for me. It was there. Right. In my, I could have been the most popular kid in my fashion high school because I was I had everything at my disposal. Yep. As well as alcohol, which I always was like, nah, as I continue to drink my wine. Um, not, <laughs> not my the thing. Age. <laughs> having grown up amongst alcoholics and seeing my mom have mm-hmm. issues at one point in time getting drunk and just seeing So they were drinking. modeling. They were modeling for you, but they were modeling and you but, made a choice like I'm not buying that model. But not everybody right? has no. that level of consciousness right. to say that's not for me and right. that's not what I'm going to do. Especially if their We've, peers are like, oh, let's do it. In that. my yep. entire life, have never had a conversation about drinking, about drugs, about sex, about anything. I've come to these things all on my own. Yes. I'm violently but nodding. I've <laughs> exposed to a lot of drugs and drinking in my growing up. So it's very interesting that I just wasn't like, fuck it, I'm going to try whatever this is that's sitting out on the counter or whatever this is where I opened up a cabinet and seen it, you know what I mean? Or taken something from the giant suitcase full of weed that was in my goddamn living room for a month, you know what I mean? Like, these are things that I grew up around. So when you're telling me, like, 18, 19, I think... Way too late. Way too late. Yes, Yes, it is. Kids are doing this shit forever. Thank you. That's what I was trying to... I was like, just because you had this experience does not mean it's everyone. Good for him. My guy friend, or my uh, girlfriend that I grew up with, her family was constantly drunk all the time. I purposely didn't tell my parents about a few situations because I was like, Uh-oh. I wouldn't get to work, like see my friend anymore. <laughs> but I remember because her sister who was, I want to say three or four years older, she had a kid at like age 16 to 17 mm-hmm. and she didn't want the same for my friend Amanda. And so she was like, why does she keep acting like this? She wanted to drink with all of them. She wanted to smoke with all of them. She wanted to do all these things. And she's like, I'm trying to get her to not make the same mistakes. And I was like, it's a little too late. She looks up to you mm-hmm. and she thinks this is what needs to be That's done. She done. thinks it's the normalcy. Mm-hmm. And I do, like when you said, it's like, I do think that there's like a 50-50 chance depending on the type of kid if you don't have these conversations, 
Yeah, where you just don't know. Like, they can say, I'm not going to do it. I don't want to be that, and I will do the opposite. Or they're going to be like, gung-ho, let's do this yeah. thing. Let's do, jump in the sack the with a 30-year-old. Was, or they just feel like, well, it's expected of me, even though I'm uncomfortable. It's right, expected I'll just do it. Yes. Don't do what I did, but yet still, come with me in a car full of my friends who are smoking weed in the car and driving and most likely drunk. And that's what I grew up with. So when people always talk about like marijuana and the effects of it and how people get looped out, I'm like, I don't understand what you're saying because I have literally just lived my life with people on drugs my whole life functioning. So I have no concept of like a reefer madness or anything cuckoo because that's all I've known. Like my whole life has just been like functioning potheads, alcoholics. And potentially drug addicts. And it just, yeah. So I'm glad you ladies agree because I was like, yeah, I no. feel like I'm having it's a like conversation you with this you really weird person who doesn't understand. You're going to tell me I can die at 18. <laughs> but you. I can't smoke a fucking cigarette. Well, suck my dick. How old was this guy? He's older than I am. I want to say by like four or five years. Oh, he's ancient. <laughs> Well, it sounds like he's, but I mean, he I, had no, a, no disrespect, but no. it sounds like he's of the baby boom generation where. <gasps> You know, it's 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 kind of like this but very still, kind of um, if you think about you know, it, the gentler age type times. of perspective. But those guys smoked to get through war. Right. They drink like fish and in the drank 50s. to get through war. But to him, I think it's just because I mean, he ended up leaving the service because he couldn't handle a situation that had occurred. Sure. But he had a kid when he was sixteen. Mm. So to him, he's looking at it from an angle like this kid is coming to him and being like, yeah, cigarettes are being handed all over. Like, even if you're 16, 17, you're getting them from your friends. And he thinks regulations would help. I'm like, no. Regulations are not going to absolve you of your parental responsibility of having this conversation with your own children. And honestly, to be all fair, too, like, sure, let's say that it stops more he's like even if it saves because he was like even if it saves a few kids in high school it's like fine okay it saves those what happens when you're in college right i mean like what happens if you're 18 and you go on your own i'm like you're going to get it anyway i'm like when it comes down to it if you want to do it and you are doing it and you want to continue you will find a way there's no way what is more dangerous i would pose him the question what's more dangerous today a cigarette or a fucking oxy or even guns well at a certain age when you say don't to they're a gonna kid, do they do it. They, they maybe, do it because they can't process the don't. They right. think you mean to. It, maybe that's what my parents' issue was, was they just didn't bother <laughs> to tell me anything and like figure it out for yourself, kid, because well, we're not going to tell you. And I just think it's all about information. It's all about how you do, because luckily you decided to go the other route. But like my parents, the way they did it, they were very open and honest. Like my dad, he was a huge addict for but almost everything under the, the sun. Like I saw it before. But again, and then he told me he was just like the reason he's like, I'm not gonna tell you not to do it because it's bad. He's like, you will have fun. He's like, when you have these drugs, he's like, it is addicting. And he's like, and it will give you a high. And he's like, and that's the problem. It's hard to stop. It's doing shit to your body, but you don't care because you get addicted to it. He's like, I just he's like, I got lucky. He's like, I happened to be able to stop cold turkey and do what mm-hmm. I needed to do, and that's that. And he's like, but not everybody's, not lucky. everybody's lucky. And so, like, mm-hmm. having that honesty and openness, it's the parents. You can put – I'm like, it didn't stop the pro- prohibition. 
They were like, nobody can have alcohol now. Guess what happened? Speakeasies happened. And then everybody was like, fuck yeah, moonshine. Cool. Everybody's trying to escape. <laughs> yeah. And the easiest way to escape is through chemicals. And if you tell it. me not to do it, I'm going to wonder why I can't. And then I'm going to try to touch that sun, Icarus. It's better if you say, here's what's going to happen. I've been drunk. I've been high. And I just don't. I don't feel. I, I was like, I don't get it. Guys. I'm it. going to try a hash brownie when I go to Amsterdam. What? Although I'm not sure if I should. It's Halloween. But also, still, to be fair. That's a safe place because you're, you're at least you're someplace where I can't control. trust Jim. Have, I just told you what he said. You need me to come with you? I can come with you. <laughs> no, but here's the thing, though, Tamu, too. Like, don't be surprised if nothing happens. I wouldn't be. Because a lot of people, like, their first time, they actually don't get high. Just my, to make sure you haven't had dinner. Just go my and And also, be careful with an edible, because sometimes I do an edible. you think really that strong. you're going to have it, and then six hours later is when it hits sure. you. Sure. Yeah, but just, I'm excited so to be like, release. I'm going to do it. Slow release. And see what happens, because I wonder if, like, all of my, like, Pot tolerance throughout my life. Like one of those drunks who's really sad, except with with pot. Maybe I'll be happy. (laughs) How about not having expectations and just see what happens? Just do it. I am, but I just then you won't set yourself up for disappointment. I'm not gonna. I really have no. All right, all right. I have nothing. But people are like, because I keep talking to people about like going to Colorado and getting like bring me back some edible gummies or whatever. I'd be curious to see what that's like. Things happen. And again, because of the company that I'm keeping, I don't trust. I wouldn't so either. I have no offense, to Jim. Be careful, because if I did it, they did it. God knows what'll happen. What text you'll receive. Just make sure you know, you're in custody us. of the credit cards before you go. <laughs> That's you all go. I'm saying. There you go. So yeah, so that part will be funny. But other, than, I have had never, never had a desire to do any of that shit. No. So. But I did remember, and I, I just had, don't like the feeling. It's just like I just don't like the feeling. I've had one of those makes um, me sick <laughs> moments, like what are those like after school special moments where I was in high school and I was with all my friends and they had just decided to start smoking hmm. cigarettes hmm. and I was like, no guys, don't smoke the cigarettes, they're bad for you. And they're like, we're gonna smoke the cigarettes. I'm like, don't do it because it's bad for you. Your life's gonna be terrible. You're gonna die of cancer. And they smoked cigarettes and I didn't. Mm-hmm. So you know. The if they want to do it, they want to do it. That's yeah. all I have to they say. They want to smell but, bad and have horrible gums and but have I their made teeth the fall choice, off. And oh. I didn't. And we we were all still friends afterwards. It wasn't like, oh well, you're not smoking cigarettes, so now you're not cool, and I can't hang with you. It was like, okay, you're not smoking cigarettes. Cool. You're still and again, there. I'm one of those people where it's more about information. As long as you're telling them how it should be, you're telling them like just like sex. It's like don't make it this taboo, whatever subject. It's gonna happen anyway. Instead, be like. Look, here's what happens when and if it happens. Isn't it interesting, Gretchen, to see someone young who's grown up in a completely different family structure have conversations? Well, but it's also because my parents had a really... Isn't it? My parents had a really fucked up childhood, and they decided when they had children that they were like, we're not going to give that So to did them. mine, and they just kept that shit silent. So here That's we are. That's true. Yeah. My parents just made this. It's just a I different mean, time. I caught my mom smoking a cigarette, and she like they were one of those type where they were saying that we're casual smokers, only when we go out. And the, But then they started hiding it. So I caught my mom on the porch being like, what are you doing? And she was like, fuck. Like, she could tell that she was like, I didn't want you to see me smoking a cigarette. And then I was like, what's even in a cigarette that's so... And she's like, let's look. And she like just took 
out a brand new cigarette and she unrolled she it, took everything out. And then she was like, let's look. She's like, so here you can see that's the nicotine that's there. And she's like, but there's also the tobacco leaf is there. Here's the filter. Some don't have filters. She just went through and she's like, and that's what's in it. And she's like, this is the bad stuff. And like, that's like, you shouldn't be doing what I'm doing right now because it doesn't do well for your lungs. That was cool. And I was like, oh, okay, now I know what's going on. Like, and if more parents were like that, being like, all right, fuck it. Let's, let's look and see what's going on. So lessons learned, folks. Everybody <laughs> be like Mallory's parents. <laughs> yes, be exactly like them because I definitely have no problem. Raise her in a <laughs> utopia full of open communication. You know, my, my, my dad, I don't remember Love you, what Dana. it was. But he was given a, a bottle of Jim Beam whiskey, Ooh. right? And it was sitting. How old? Oh, I, we were all still in grade school. Oh, okay. So it's sitting up on, above the cabinets, above the dishwasher or the clothes washer. And my brother was just like. Oh, I'm going to try some. I'm going to try some. And he was just driving my dad's nuts. And I'm looking at him like, what is your problem? <laughs> my sister is like, what is his thing? And my dad was like, fine. All right, kids, come. And he takes the shot glass, which I didn't even know my parents owned a shot glass, right? <laughs> and he forces each of us to drink a shot. And he hands this thing to me. And I'm like, this is Dave's deal. It's not. Right. I don't need. I don't, you don't need to teach me a lesson. He's I know like, it's bad. No, we're just going to be done with As this, As a right? family. This is, this is not. blood, your blood. Is, this is hardcore. We're no one's so fast. He says, just drink it as fast as you can. And I'm like, ew. Oh, right. And I just remember that thing burning all the way down. And I'm, you know, of course, choking. And my my brother, of course, would choke. And my dad was like, all right. You know. Now you know what it tastes like. What's about? I, I think he dumped it out. One so, night, because my dad was not a drinker. After that, were you guys shit-faced, and you were like, you know what? <laughs> Jack I was pissed up. at my brother was what was happening after Jack that. Jack got up that hill. <laughs> Why did Jill have to go tumbling after? Because <laughs> she's a fucking woman. All these years later, many, many years Patriarchy is why! <laughs> I know what a good bourbon tastes like. And that's not it. And that's not it. I mean, yeah. it's kind of like taking a shot at tequila. I know there's a lot of Jim Beam lovers out there. Bourbon. God bless you, but that is sucky bourbon. <laughs> sucky whiskey. All right. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Well, on that note, we have definitely... <laughs> it was a really serious conversation. It was. I mean, it's just one of those things that I truly feel that, like, for him, I was like, I get it. And I was like, and it's hard for me to say. I'm like, you have a child. I do not. To you, this is a serious issue. And then I also told him, I was like, also, to be fair, I'm like, did you have this conversation with your daughter? Yeah. And then he's like, and then I said, I also know for a fact, since 16, sometimes you would let her have a glass of wine with you. And he kind of paused. And I was like, why would you allow that to happen if you're so concerned, Akis, about these age things and why? And he's like, well, because it was in, like, a regulated atmosphere that I was allowed. And I was like, exactly. So I was like, you knew because you informed your child. And I was like, she's not smoking now, right? He's like, no. And I was like, so there you go. It's a conversation. It's a win-win. It's not just a... Yeah. Don't do it. A role. It's a conversation because they look at it and, you know, depending on where they're at and what the relationship is, they might just do it to piss you off. Right. Or they might do it because they're not, they need to feel some love from their community and that's the only way they feel they can fit in. Mm -hmm. So. There's many reasons to do it, many reasons to not. Thank you. Communicate. We always talk about that here. Communicate. (laughs) Love, Love your kids by saying, you know, 
this is kind of how I think about this. What do you think? Find the example with Mallory's family. (laughs) Open up your cigarettes. Dissect. And do not not force your children to drink whiskey against their will. Oh, my My God. My mom, you know what's funny about that is my mom wanted me to have a wine cooler with her when I was 16. She hates you. Because she hates you. It's because that's what she was drinking right then and there. But I was going to my high school, and I was going to live in the dorms. Yeah. And so it was from 16 to 18. She wanted you to taste And she was like, your first drink should be with me. She was so concerned that I immediately was just going to be like... Drinking, drugs, going crazy, and I remember being like, "I don't, I don't want it." <laughs> it's like, but I don't. She's like, "Just take a sip with me." She's like, "I want it to be with me." Aww. She was just very firm about being like, "It needs to like, I we need to do this together." And with that, me. friends, is how Mallory became an alcoholic. <laughs> I didn't drink until <laughs> I was twenty-one. After that, I'm kidding. And it was a pomegranate liqueur, and it was too delicious, you guys. It was really good, actually. Oh my god. Mine. Mine was peppermint schnapps and hot coffee. Ew. Ew. It was some kind of sour, like a amaretto sour. It's actually really That's yummy. What as long as Gateway you don't overdo the peppermint schnapps. Yeah. Gateway drink. My mother got drunk. I didn't. It has to be super sweet. That's like, so that was your first drink was the peppermint that schnapps. That was my first mixed drink was peppermint, a little peppermint schnapps and hot coffee. Okay. Mm. That's not too bad. What was yeah. yours? Amaretto Sours. Okay. Well, unfortunately, mine was the wine cooler. think about it now, I'm just like, Because <laughs> I'm such a seasoned alcohol now. Like, I'm just like, total I know. We haven't developed palate. My now. palate has developed to the point where I'm like, <laughs> Mine's developed enough to be like, no, no wine really under $10. Because it's probably not that great. Oh, it's probably not fancy $11 or $10.50. Right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so let's get into it. It's time. For our favorite portion no. of the day. I'm going to try to figure this out. Let's We're doing a selfie. Stick We're coming time. to you. Don't worry about oh, it. Okay. We're going to be over here. We All don't right, my know nose shiny. how it's going to work. Thanks, uh, Are we still being recorded? Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, okay. I'm not going to stop it. Well, Do yeah, I lean into the mic stop, stop. Click. <laughs> <laughs> are we good? Are right. happy? I think are we're satisfied? good. I think our eyes are open. We're so oh stupid. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. Okay. We have a good fun time. All right. We podcasted like that, guys. So as Mallory continues to drink, good job, Dana. Okay, you need to... <laughs> That wine cooler did well. <laughs> you need to finish that wine, though. Would you like oh. some? Hey, Gretchen! You do it. No, 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 no. You first. You first. You first. No, Take, no, I'm no, slipping. No, I'm no, slipping. Okay, okay. Gretchen. Meanwhile, I'm drinking this whole bottle of sugar wine. Sugar wine. Okay, so Gretchen. Mm-hmm. You and I have She's like, con- put it right next to the mic and needs to hear. You and I, I you, have had this conversation back in January. You were in a relationship yes. over the winter. Yes. And thought it was going to be a great relationship. She told me about this because I, and I well, was Well, that's so why we found excited. a new place to record. I'm not even going to lie. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm so excited for she her. She said, I want to smash. She don't need us knocking at her door Saturday mornings. It ended up not working out. Right. Which made me sad. Made the decision to say this is not working out. Right. But as we are ladies of a certain age, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you ever feel like our window dwindles, 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 and we should just try to make it work because our window is dwindling. Mm -hmm. But you decided to say, screw that. My intuition is telling me that 
this is not for me. Mm-hmm. It's not right. And I need to make the decision to say no. Mm-hmm. And I'll be okay with that. What is that experience like? Because I think a lot of people, especially I wrestled with this when I was just even turning 30. The fact that like, okay, all of my my potential now is gone and I'm heading into this crondom and what do I do? And it's solo living and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. And then when you think that, you know, you finally have found a thing and then it disappoints you. How do you keep getting back up after that to then continue forward? I gave up. Like I, I, <laughs> I just You could be like us at this side of the table. I mean, I'm not even your age, and you always say a certain age. And I was like, really? Because I feel like at age 29, I was kind of like, I'm good. I'm fine now. <laughs> good. Well. You waited 10 years. I, You know, we were talking a little bit earlier about, you know, what, what, expectations come from Mm -hmm. you know the conditioning from culture and one of the biggest lies I think that we're taught to believe and we believe is that when it comes to relationships that it's feast or famine you know that there's a limitation to who we can fall in love with you know possibilities at whatever age that and I just realized well, I came across um, Alison Armstrong's material. I know I've mentioned mm-hmm. her before, and she talks about that, among a lot of other things. And she says, you really have to understand that, you know, to a certain degree, we create our own realities in our minds. You know, what, what we think is possible for ourselves, that's what shows up. You know, that's kind of how, not to get really spiritual on you, but I'm going to get spiritual on you. It, you know, what what you believe it's going to happen, you create your own reality to an extent. And I'm not saying that when crappy things happen, it's all your fault. Right. I'm like, not so like that. things were like molestation, particularly from like a parent or something. Like that is clearly not your fault. Like those are things that you wished upon yourself. Yeah. There's there's soul lessons. There's just plain old fashioned learning that we go through. And then there's a decision if you want to have your life be you know, in terms of moving forward in life, do you want it to be dictated by your longing or by your pain? And pain is where you're fearful, where you're you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. You're thinking about things from a negative perspective, like, well, I hope this happens, or I wish this would happen, or, you know, I know it's so limited, and I'm getting older, and that means, you know, that mm-hmm. everything's limiting, and I should, you know, settle for something. You know, when we even talk that way, how does that make you feel? Mm-hmm. You, know, you can just feel like getting heavy, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happens in your life. It, it, it's not an expansive way of looking at life. It's not an expansive way of living, period. So when, you know, he came into my life, it had been a long dry spell. And I had been doing a lot of work on myself, been being very clear about, all right, you know, I'm at a place where I think I can genuinely feel I can connect to somebody and have something serious happen here and, and feel even though it's going to be different and I'm going to have a lot of growing going on in a short period of time I, I think I can handle this so he comes in and I was like wow you know it's really easy to talk to this guy very attracted to him it's a lot of fun to, to spend time with him he's intelligent um he's good social skills it's like you know he I respect what he does for a living I mean there were a number of different things that were going on like okay this feels, it feels like it has some potential. And as time went on, another piece that Ellison Armstrong recommends is that for both men and women, that you have to get really clear when you're creating this vision of what you desire in relationship, get really clear about what your deal breakers are. Mm. You know, we've talked about 
our family of origin experiences. So, all right, one of my deal breakers is I don't want to have a relationship like my family of origin, mm-hmm. my par- like my parents had. You know, enough said. I don't even dig into that. I'm pretty clear on what that means. Other things that, you know, I've been very mindful about taking care of myself financially and being responsible financially. I need to be with somebody that has done that for themselves. He doesn't need to be fabulously wealthy, but he needs to be minding the store, right? Mm-hmm. He kn- needs to know the value of money and not be buying a bunch of crap just because he can. You know, just he needs to be a generous person. He mm-hmm. needs to understand about giving back of his time and energy and um, money and have a service service ethic and know that the world isn't just about him and what he can get from it and what people can do for him, that he has that that sense that other people exist and he can get a lot of joy and a lot of growth out of right. being available and giving back. So all these little things, you know, I got really clear in my mind. And as I was dating this guy, I started coming across all these five different instances over the period of two months where, you know, deal breakers were happening. Can you give us one example? He was, he was not good at managing money. Okay. Big, big. That was a big one. And that was a hard one because it felt very, I mean, in my own self-talk, it's like, well, that's really judgy and that's really bitchy and that's really harsh. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's a good guy. I mean, he didn't manage his money. I mean, he had money and, Mm -hmm. but he, he really was living for the moment and for the day and not really thinking about the future and. And it's less, I would say, because a lot of people think that women want money and it's, it doesn't have to do with money. It has to do with that stability of the money where, like you said, where he may have had money. How long is that money going to be coming through that he can spend the way that he's spending? Right. That's hard. <laughs> it, was, it was very hard. And there were a number, you know, at, when we had the conversation, you know, the first question, he could feel something was up and he said, what did I do wrong? And that was another thing. It's like, you know... People can break up for all the right reasons. Right. I don't need to make you wrong or quote, unquote, win in order to justify us having this conversation. It's, it's like, do you want me to wait another six months and continue to date you knowing that these deal breakers happening and knowing that it's not going to change my mind because these are things that have to be there. These are not compromisable things right, for me. Right, right. Mm-hmm. right. They have to be there. That's why they're called deal breakers. And I tried to have that conversation with him early on and explain the concept of deal breakers. And I said, I really would like you to go and think about what your deal breakers are. Mm-hmm. And I'd like us to have this conversation early on. And he was kind of weirded out by that. He goes, well, that feels really deep, and I'm not sure I want to have that conversation early on. And, you know, a lot of people feel that way, right? Right. I'm like, I get it, fine, but let me know when you want to, because the sooner we have that conversation, the sooner we Mm -hmm. understand if we should be really spending time. Mm -hmm. Because even if things are going wonderful, if we know that deal breaker is sitting out there, Eventually, we're going to hit it. We may not hit it in the first year or two years of being together. We come. might hit it year five. And how pissed off are you going to be that I didn't share that with you earlier right. on, right? Or and that vice versa. you both knew it. And right. It do, I mean, there's so many people that I know where a kid was the deal breaker. One person wanted to have kids. The other didn't. And both of them assumed at one point the other would change their mind. Right. End up getting even married and then realizing, oh, that's not changing. <laughs> Yeah, the three things that really are the the big heavy hitters are children, mm-hmm. money, and religion. Children, what? Whether or not to have children. Okay. And also the concept of how you raise children. Okay. Those those two because things. Because you want to have children. 
I desire to have children, but at my age now I'm looking at grandchildren. Well, or adopting. If if he has kids that are still, you know, in school. Sure. Awesome. Great. I would love that. <laughs> I would think that would be wonderful. Sure. I am totally open to that. Yep. And then in the way things are, that's a, a very real possibility. Right. I mean, I've dated guys my yes. age mm-hmm. that have teenagers. And yep. I'm like, awesome. And they're like, well, you know, they're going for this. And I'm like, yep, still let's awesome. do it. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. That's fine. So were there any of your deal breakers that you would be willing to compromise on? Or anything, especially since then, having realized... Well, no. Even within this situation, were you willing to compromise on any of your deal breakers? Period. So there are deal breakers or deal breakers that the word is what it means, the word is its Yeah, and that's why you really need to spend some time thinking about what those are, because these are the things that keep you up at night. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if, oh, or, you know, people go along, it's like, well, you're you're a couple, of course you're going to have children, and you just assume Mm -hmm. that this other person and wants of children and have the same concept of what that means and then you get married to them and they're like oh when do you want to start having kicking them out and they're like never. I never wanted to have kids <laughs> and you're like what well, well why'd you get married because that's what married couples where did you get that from and then <laughs> then yeah. literally hundreds of years ago well that's the reason why they did it then you can't get a divorce <laughs> right I mean my my sister and her husband, God bless them, they had that conversation and they were both like, we don't want to have kids. Cool. And they, that, w- and it was hard because, the, you know, especially he, he came from a big family, right? right? And so they're well, like. Well, his family name gets to live on. Hers doesn't. So, she, you know, he, he got a lot of crap about that. Her. You know, I could feel around the edges that mm. it wasn't on, you know, in the firing line. But, you know, he has a lot of siblings, so it wasn't like. His parents yeah, were at a lack of grandchildren, a right? Yeah. So, you know, it smoothed out over the years, and she got the experience of being an aunt. You know, being an auntie and had that experience, but they went home, you know? Yeah, and nice. She, that That's was the cool best for them. The world. <laughs> that was the cool. That so was for them. Here's my question then. So, having gone so long without having that kind of like, ooh, this could be something, mm-hmm. and hitting those deal breakers, even like, I guess, like, even sexually, that must have been even difficult and hard. Or was it not at all? Was it pretty easy to be like, I've done this for a while without, and I can continue to do it without? No, or... it was it was devastating. Okay. I mean, it's it's hard. Because I mean, that intimacy, intimacy with is, another human. Yeah, it's, it's it, it, you know, one thing I realized that kind of blew me away was like, wow, I'm really starving for touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I had to... You know, he and I had a couple conversations about that because he was like, you know, what's going on here? And I was like, you know, I'm just kind of sitting outside myself and going, wow, you know, I didn't realize I was this wow. hungry yeah. for touch. And we had, we didn't never cross the line, <laughs> but we had some great makeout sessions and, you know, a couple opportunities to cross the line. And I said, you know, I'm just not ready. And he got a little confused. And I just said, I just like being held and touched and I, you know, I'm sorry. I'm not teasing you. I just, I like, I, want to I like this, it's yeah. been but that doesn't mean do that I want to rush anything. Right. So we had to have a couple conversations about that mm-hmm. to kind of clear the air and for me to kind of feel like I was being in integrity and clear about where I was coming from. So he wasn't getting confused sure. and, okay. and putting the cart before the horse. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, that kind of, you know, did a thing in my head. It was like, oh, wow, you know. I need to find a way to get safe touch more. <laughs> you know, go for more massages or something. I don't know. but They do legitimately actually have, like, uh, I don't think it's necessarily here in Minnesota. Don't. But they're... 
no, I'm not, not that kind. Sex not sex. that kind of massage. <laughs> no, 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 just no, no, regular not massage. That. I'm massage. talking about like they actually have like um, people that you can be like. I just want to cuddle. Like mm. there's like legitimate yes, places. They, have, they have like that does that. They have therapies where they're just like for an hour or fifteen minutes or half hour or something. You just mm-hmm. pay for time and then you just sit and you can so talk if you want to. You. Or and it's just literally about touch. It's not about anything sexual. It's like I'm just here and we sit and we. And we Gretchen, I always have said you should be living in California and not here. <laughs> oh my God, you would do so well in San Diego. You really would. I mean, honestly. It's just a very soft, loving place. It's just a lot more. Except new. that the ground moves and it freaks me. I out. hear you. I mean, like, yes. no, one hundred percent facts understand why we're here. I get it. But you get, but you get used to it. Like my great aunt who lives in San Diego. Oh, you, she she lives in the best everything ever. But she's there and she's like, eh, earthquakes. It's when she comes here and it starts raining, she freaks the fuck out. <laughs> She's like, I can't do it. She like, she refuses to drive. She refuses. Like, it's like, stay inside. Oh my you guys, God. thunder's happening. Like, she mudslides, mudslides. Like the entire ground shaking, <laughs> things falling off of a shelf. She's kind of like, I mean, like it's an earthquake. Oh. All right, no, I'm good. I'm good on Terra Firma in so, Minnesota. Not that we're exempt from earthquakes, but, but they're much. You know, they don't like. When you had to come to that your house. determination to say, this is not for me. Right. Did you have any sort of consternation or thoughts of like, this could this could be it for me? And I say that because I've had those experiences as well, where mm-hmm. when uh, my relationship with white one and two ended, especially when I remember, I remember this, I was at home drinking wine in my room and I called Hillary and I was like, who's our mutual friend? All of our mutual friends. Yeah. And um, I was like, this is it. <laughs> I was 30-something. And I was yeah. like, this is it, Hillary. I'm never going to have a family. I'm never going to get married. It's over. See you later. And um, so, wow. you know, that was in my 30s. So I'm just curious because, you know, it's a very precious thing. It's rarefied air as we get as we age to find people who are like-minded mm-hmm. and kind of can fill in some voids and gaps that that we need that help us continue forward with growth. Right. So I'm just curious if you kind of second-guessed it or if you just were like, "Nope, period. This is it. These are my deal breakers. I have to move forward regardless." Like, was there any moment where you thought about Saying, well, maybe if I did X, Y, Z, could I make it better? Could I have educated? Could I have done something? As women do, try to fix the situation to make it better. (laughs) I see your face going like, no. (laughs) I spent two weeks trying to figure out how to bring up the conversation because I knew the conversation needed to happen. And you were happy still during that time. But also two weeks of just kind of reconciling my own sadness and pissed offness at myself Mm -hmm. because I couldn't lie to myself. I knew that if things kept going and I didn't honor the deal breakers, that I would be miserable and I would ultimately make him miserable without really wanting to make him miserable. Right. And he would be making me miserable without knowing what the hell was going on. It, it's That's what happens when you compromise on your own happiness just to be with somebody. I have been single so long that it makes absolutely no sense 
for me to compromise at this point just to be with somebody at the expense of my happiness and their happiness. That, mm. that does not compute for me. It, it makes a lot more sense, and I say this not intending to be single the rest of my life, it makes more sense to continue on looking for what I know I desire and deserve as a single person than wasting somebody's time. Just because I need to go out in public with somebody on my arm mm -hmm. so I'm not looked at as being weird, literally and figuratively, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Well, you must be gay that you're not married mm -hmm. by now. Or, you know, something must be seriously wrong with you. I mean, we have to understand that we live in the Midwest. And in the Midwest, if you're not coupled by the time you're mm -hmm. out of your 20s, yeah, you're, it's, it's, it's over. something's... I mean, something's they can, wrong. They consider us to be quote unquote liberal, but it's very blue collar. It's actually quite a conservative. It's very traditional. There's, yes. Un, under say. all the trappings, it's very, you know, we live in a very progressive in a lot of ways area but of the very, country, but it's from, you know, the family kind of traditional yeah. family. It's, it's pretty traditional and it's, it's hard. It's hard. It's not fun. It's very lonely. But um, I, I know that who I'm looking for is not perfect. God knows I'm not perfect. I'm not looking for the perfect man, but I'm am looking for somebody that is a growing person, who is a responsible person, who I thoroughly enjoy spending time with, and let's face it, is good in bed. <laughs> <laughs> and which means, which Best. means, which means I'm I'm attracted to, and he's attracted to me for all That's the right. right reasons. Yeah. Right, right, right. And right? also, can you know? And isn't afraid of isn't afraid of getting old, right? <laughs> right. So, you know, I'm I'm not looking, I mean, if he's responsible for money, he doesn't need to be super wealthy. Right. I'm, Just not, that he I'm takes not super care wealthy, he but he, you know, he I understands. always said that um, someone should at least be able to afford a plane ticket somewhere. Somewhere. Right. Yeah. Even if it's Chicago. <laughs> and that they've actually gone on vacation right. and ideally outside the state line. Yes. Yes. And there's a reason why I didn't date during that time I couldn't. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> no, but like while you guys add on to that saying someone should do that, my theory has always been too, whether or not you should actually be with someone slash marry someone forever, even if it's not marriage, has been you should have to be able to go on a vacation with them for a period of time outside of your life. I agree with that. Yeah, that's a good And goal. if you can survive, yes. then that means that it's good because you will see the person under a different stress than in their mm -hmm. comfort zone. You're going to see them. How they actually truly act, I feel, to strangers. But don't do that trip if you haven't crossed the line from an intimacy standpoint, because then you're just teasing them, and the, it, right. the conversation is going to be that much more expensive. Yeah, because you have separate rooms, and it just gets weird and funky. Because he, he and I were talking about going on a trip together. Where are you going to go? Well, every every spring he does um, a several. I think it's at least a week bike ride through the desert. Oh wow! I mean, it's perfect. And in, in the desert. In the, de in, in the U.S. In the U.S. Okay. It's like the Arizona mm -hmm. desert? Um, it is New Mexico. Okay. okay. New Mexico. So he has a bunch of friends that live down there, and they cool. do this every year, and they have it all down, and they tent camp. I mean, it's, it's right up my alley. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. As Tammy yeah. knows. You know, I love biking. I love being outside. Love and New Mexico. And New Mexico. Yes. So, um, so we were discussing that, and I told him, it's like, well, you know, I would love to do that. I know I could hack it physically. But we need to see where we are from an intimacy standpoint because it makes no sense for me to go on this and be a, us be in separate tents because it's just... I mean, you guys could be in the same tent and not have that. No, no I'm not going to... No, that would just be... She's weird. not going to tease him with all of her goodies. <laughs> see, 
mean, that's where you and I are different. Because I'd be like, we can share a tent and not have sex. It's millennials. And he was like, yeah, you're right. You know, he got it. So it wasn't like me going, and he's like, yeah, yeah, we definitely need to. Now, how long had he been out of a relationship when you guys met? He had been in a seven-year relationship, and they had been broken up uh, about a year. Mm, so he's still really new. So he was still pretty fresh. Mm-hmm. But he was also from the people that knew Deuce and who knew him very well. He's not the kind of guy that is a serial dater. Right. I mean, he doesn't jump from one right. relationship to another. Okay. He He's like, I need time, sure. and He'll when process. I'm in the mood to date again, then I'll date. But until I feel like I'm ready for that, I'm not going to date. Which is the reason just... why you were attracted to that, I'm sure, because yeah. similar. Because I asked her that. I asked off. her that. I said, yeah. oh, you know, <laughs> I'd feel better if it had been two years. And she said, well, you know, he's just started to date recently. and mm-hmm. yeah. So I have a question then, because I see this among a lot of my gal friends, even some of my guy friends, and I'm sure maybe you've seen it, but it's also quite common, I feel, within our media Mm -hmm. of people who immediately get out of relationships and then feel that need to have to probably feel the void because they were so used to that physical contact and because they're so used to having that. Because when you're in a relationship, the way that... um, I remember hearing someone describe it who had gotten married, and they're in a very happy, good relationship. They're healthy. They still like have their fights, but it's in a healthy way. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's not, you know, whatever. And the way that they kind of described it was having someone who is just always on your side. Mm-hmm. Like, even if you you don't agree with them, it's like, but also I still support you and we mm-hmm. can work through this. Yep. So what kind of advice do you have for those type of people who, like, they're still looking for that and that's the reason why they keep, they're like, I've been out of a relationship from this three-year relationship or five-year relationship or... The jumpers. The, yeah, the people who, like, get out of those divorces even. And, and jump right back in. And then they're like, we got to get in. Because I was said a lot with, I had someone um, who, she had been single for a long time, but most of the people that she was dating, that she would go on dates with, they had just gotten out of a divorce less than a month and I was like why are they already in like what the fuck is going on and some people would say like well technically their relationship was probably over for over a year so they're divorcing and getting out in the game because like that was already dead for them sure whatever but like as someone who has had that pleasure of being like I know what I want and I'm where I'm at where I'm at I don't know how long it took you to get to that stage Mm -hmm. but like what kind of advice do you have for those people who feel the need to have to be like but I need that. I need someone who gives me that support. Or I just need someone. Or I just need someone. And being honest with yourself that that's why you're there. You like be, as long as they know that that's be, why they're there? Be honest with yourself and with the other person that, you know, don't don't make any big promises. Yeah, but Gretchen, you know, a lot of people don't have that sort of consciousness Mentality. to understand that, right? They just kind of feel like... Okay, so if I'm out, I need to be in a relationship because I just have to do that. So they kind of jump from relationship to relationship to relationship. They don't ever take the time because no one really wants to sit within themselves, right? I don't, you know, it's a lot of work to kind of get to know who you are as a human and understand like, okay, so you're a crazy, shitty person who likes to sit around and watch like crime dramas and Hitler shows. (laughs) And drink wine with your friends. <laughs> and have a podcast named Battle Love. And have a podcast, right? <laughs> and don't want to be bothered. And then also want someone to understand all of that. 
and then be like, oh, cool, I'm into that. But also here I'm into these other things. So you need to be under these things. It's it's not easy to sit within yourself is what I'm it's, it's not easy to sit within yourself. No, it's not easy to it's sit like, within yourself. But how do you balance part, that? Because you're balancing it. There's, there's things... <sighs> People, people that do that stuff, I think, are buying into that scarcity stuff we were talking about mm, earlier. Mm-hmm. That if I don't jump in, I might miss somebody miss, really good. Yeah, so I need to FOMO. put, even if I'm probably not ready, I should do this because I might meet Mister or Mrs. Wonderful, right? Mm-hmm. And so they push themselves out there, especially when their friends are like, "Oh, come on, let's go out. You should. Oh, she's really cute, or he's really cute. You should date them." Or I've always been wanting to introduce you to this person, so you kind of. It's almost like you're going, you know, carrying this ball of all this baggage because mm-hmm. it hasn't been processed. Right. So you may feel you're moving on, but if you just take a moment, mm-hmm. you realize that you're shackled. You still have all this stuff, and you're going to bring that in. To the next And whether you're conscious of it or not, you're going to recreate a situation, a dynamic with that new partner, whether you're just dating casually or not. That recreates that because you haven't processed it and you need to process it. So even if you do this jumping, you can't bypass that processing. You're going to just be processing with this person or you and you still have to process. Right. So it's an illusion. It's like, fine, go on serial date. You're still going to have to process this. It's At just, some point. It's just that this other person is having to deal with that, too. And is that mm-hmm. really fair to them? And we'll have to deal with the ramifications, whether positive or negative, as a result of you processing your past right. in the present. Right. So, you know, these people are like, oh, my God, you know, I found this wonderful woman. And I thought it was so genuine. And now she's just, she's just like my ex. No, you turned her into your ex. <laughs> <laughs> no, because you did not process. You did not... Do that. Allison talks about this all the time in her stuff. It's like, you know, women have these wonderful men and then suddenly they become their fathers. And and she describes it as you turn them into frogs. They were princes and you turn them into frogs. Now, what's the name of one of her, of the book that you were reading? Or I know you read multiples. Um, oh, yeah. She she has... Um, I thought you were talking Commun- about our mutual friend. <laughs> communicating with the opposite sex. She has um, a number of things about you know understanding women, understanding men, understanding men and marriage, which is my next one because there's some, some really good stuff. Because we, we also have another layer going on, ladies, and that is we have several generations of women being raised to be men. Mm, yep. And men do not want to date men. Right. That's one of the reasons why there's so many single women and men looking for partners and not very successfully because these women come in, they've been acculturated to be independent and, you know, bring home the bacon, fry it up in a pan and never, never let you forget your man. Mm-hmm. And there's a little Anjali commercial mm-hmm. from the 1970s. You know, Google it. So it's, it's, you know, men, you know, it's a different, it's kind of like your classic corporate woman where it's like, mm. you know, I'll kick you in the balls if you get in my way. It's, would you want to date that as a guy? No. But then women get pissed like, well, I'm not going to be this fainting violet. So right. if that's what you're looking for, like, sorry. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's this whole conversation that needs to happen where it's like women need to stop expecting men to be women, first of all. We're wired very, very differently. We have different expectations in relationship. And men need to understand that they have to develop some communication skills and stop expecting every woman they meet to be their mother, their sister, or their mm-hmm. daughter. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like we have to kind of both educate ourselves a little bit. That's why I started listening to the Alison Armstrong. Is like, 
I need to understand more about how my own sex is wired and how I sync with that and I'm out of sync with that. Also understand a little bit more about men and how they're wired and why I'm having the experiences I'm having in dating relationships. And then it's like, oh yeah, you know, I come in and like <laughs> stand my spear down and he's like, ah! <laughs> he runs off. So as our last kind of topic before we kind of are done then, because the way I'm hearing this, maybe you understand it a bit more, Timu, but I'm coming from a perspective of why even make it a gender? Because hmm. I'm coming from like that perspective of where we're like my generation and even younger who are doing wonderful things to try to say, how about none of us have those labels? And now a lot of our generation is saying, no, no men and women, more they them, more of that kind of standpoint of things. Instead of saying like you stamping down your spear and saying, you know, here's where I'm at and then being scared that a lot of it might be a generational thing. Um, So from that perspective of things, I mean, would you prefer it to actually be more of a how about we just are human beings and we are what we are? Versus a, you know what, I'm going to have to play the game due to my age, if that makes any sense at all. Well, I like something in the middle where (laughs) men and women are definitely wired differently. And it's not just a culturation. It's it's really, it's it's far deeper than that. Um, And to ignore that is to is to set yourself up for disappointment and to literally be beating your head against the wall or you you need to understand the differences but when you understand the differences then you have some information that you can more effectively communicate with men i mean once i went through enough of her information i started playing with it in my work world because i'm working with men all the time and it was amazing you know the differences and the connections i mean it's it was just like you know this is kind of scary how effective it is (laughs) but she says you know when you learn these things you can also use them for manipulative purposes Mm -hmm. right so if if we're talking about i'm going to relate to you as a human then if i understand how you're wired and i'm using that to serve and manipulate you to give me you to give me what I need and I'm not really you know I'm in it for me and not so much for you then that's that's not compassionate that's not human I'm looking at it from a perspective of more like I remember having a conversation with someone who so I had a friend whose mother had died by suicide and was having a very tough time because it was around the holidays and felt weak the fact that how many years have gone past and I still yet have this and he's like God is a man and I just cut him I was like no I'm like you are a human you have feelings and emotions and they're valid and all of a sudden it was like it was like a click in his head that was like oh I'm allowed to do this Men are not allowed to have feelings in our culture. Right. Most men and don't so, even know when a feeling is happening. Right. Well, or feeling like the only feeling I can have about it is anger rather right. than like, mm-hmm. let's process this through. Right. And so I guess that's like the angle that I'm coming from of being like, yeah, it's more about the fact that it's like if we communicate on these levels of like, you are a human being and I'm going to treat you as such. We're on the same level plane. But, like, it's difficult when you look from a cultural aspect of things of being, like, but this is how you were brought up. Like, this generation was brought up to think, like, you know, my grandparents were brought up and my great-grandparents were brought up in the sense of you save everything. They mm-hmm. went through, you know, the Dust Bowl and the whole right. depression. everything, depression. And so for them, it was like you go into their house and it's like, wow, you have Your saved waters. every plastic uh-huh. container ever. It's like ever. a hoarder, yeah. 
Yeah. But, like, because of what they lived through, that's, of course, what they've done. Mm-hmm. And because who knows when they might need it later. Right. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. Versus, like, how do you break those barriers and come to that point? Like, for me, my hardest, I guess the reason I'm questioning it is because my hardest thing of dating certain people is being like, that's where your mindset is. We are just not going to work. I am less likely to compromise on the fact that it's, like, it is less of a needing you. It is more of a wanting you. I don't need someone consistently in my life. If this is what it's going to be like, because I have friends, I have family, and I have myself, I can make it work. Mm-hmm. But I might want someone in my life. Mm-hmm. And if I want you to be in my life, then awesome. But also, if you're going to be this way, then no. And that's hard when you have particularly things of like the patriarchy and stuff of how they think what is correct and how they determine their own life structure. Mm-hmm. And so that makes it hard. And I don't know if that for generational gap purposes, if that makes it even more difficult if listening to those things, like you said, like I made a vast difference listening to those things and being like, oh, this is how I can react to this sort of thing over here. And wow, it's working. <laughs> like that's kind of crazy when you look at it that light. And it's interesting to know whether or not that would actually work at my age with a younger generation because well, a lot I, of my, you know, I think once you get to know, fluid now. once you get to know a guy and he gets a better sense of, you know, read on who you are as a person, you can get open that space and see how he navigates in there and see if he can have those conversations. A lot of guys just don't know how to navigate in that space. Right. I mean, they just Whether haven't they been taught. Be, and it's not that... If they're they, right. they still don't know how to navigate. So Necessarily. it's the same thing of where they're trying to figure out where they're straddling if they straddle more towards a masculine, a masculine or, feminine. or feminine. So eventually, I think it all ends up boiling down to sort of the same thing, but... It just depends on where that person is in that particular time frame of their lives and where they're, they're, they're deciding to be. So you can still much, work it yeah. either way. Right. But well, and there's a sense of privilege, cure, like, I mean, because people who are, say, I'm she, they, or whatever, she, mm-hmm. her, and are transitioning to, to the more then. feminine, you know, or, to, or yep, or you know, to more side, going to either whatever, and obviously it makes it more difficult because it's like we still have that binary system mm-hmm. in place, and that's great, sarcastically. But it's just it's very interesting, I guess, to me to listen to the conversation and mm-hmm. knowing that kind of stuff too, and to be like how that changes. But think about it in terms of, like I said, it, it's it's kind of giving you a toolbox, to do, right, to work with them either way, right, right? right so. Right. If it's she, her, they, them, or he, him, you can utilize whatever, you know, Allison is trying to say in either as in all those aspects. Right. Um, maybe she hasn't gotten to, like, how do you do with they, them? But ultimately, you know, the pendulum is going to swing one way or the other. Right, 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 right. So even if you're working within that same person, you'd still be able to utilize those tools to determine how to get through things. Right, right, right. And communicate in that way. I'll just keep the communication flowing and Regardless. giving them space and not not having expectations about it. it needs to necessarily look this way and sound this way, but allowing a progression over time. Mm-hmm. Because uh, both men and women, they spend so much energy as they're getting to know each other doing strategies rather than really relating to each other. Right. Well, if I do this, then that means that this will happen. And that's or men and men, I women say and women. This, then, right. you know, it's just like, just, mm-hmm. you know, stop gaming each other. You know, if 
be upfront about what you want. Right, right. If you want lots and lots and lots of sex and that's all you're interested in, then say that's what you want. And then you'll attract partners that that's all they want. And you, you know, you can have the freedom of experiencing that and not feeling like you're living a lie. And if somebody you're particularly attracted to is not into that, then they're not into that. Why would you make make them miserable (laughs) or make yourself miserable by saying, well... You know, I like to have more sex than I'm having, but you know, I have to be good because otherwise she'll leave my life. It's like, <laughs> right, 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 right. So, in closing, Gretchen, yes. I know that you wrote a book. Yes, you're the well, you're the second friend that I have. Jim wrote a book as well, but who wrote a book? Mm-hmm. So, tell us about reclaim, reclaiming choice. Reclaiming choice, um, awakening peace and power from within was kind of my my reaction to what's going on right now well, in society. A couple years ago, uh, everything's. I mean, that's every book out there. Let's just be real. I know. I know. <laughs> she it's, didn't write this now. She wrote this a few years ago. Yes. So it came out in 2013, yeah. and I wrote it over a period of five years while I was traveling for work and and driving myself crazy. <laughs> But basically, I just see that we've created a society where uh, it's changing so fast. Things change so fast. And people are, instead of digging their roots down deeper and being more present and aware of what they're learning and how they're growing and making choices about where they want to go with their energy and their lives, they're losing themselves in distraction. And when you lose yourself in distraction, you get confused. Mm -hmm. And it's very easy for you to be led astray by a number of things and not pay attention to who's minding the store. And I'm not talking just politically. I'm talking about your own life. Mm -hmm. You know, it's easy for people to come in, you know, whether they're family influences, society, work, what have you, and just grab the steering wheel of your life. And then years later, you're just like, well, I thought that was really important. And then when I look back at my life, wow, what a waste of time. <laughs> and I realized that I was checked out for that period of time. So the the book is kind of talking about how that happened in a very simplistic way. I mean, it's it's very simplistic. I'll just say that up front. It's a short read, intentionally, but it's a great read. Intentionally. And this provides some guidance about starting with the personal and, and expanding to the more like society and um, how we relate to nature (laughs) because nature is part of it. You know, when we check out nature is a great harmonizer. Nature is, has always been intended to be the example of how we were meant to live with each other. Everything in nature has a purpose. Everything has a place. Everything just falls into a natural balance. And when that balance is artificially, you know, somehow rooted and compromised, the vitality leaks out of it very quickly and it's not just nature that suffers we all suffer we all feel that and we all are aware of the pollinators we're all aware of the species we're all aware of our wild places disappearing rapidly we're all aware of what's happening in the oceans we're all aware of these things to the point that we just put hands over our ears and go la 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 but it's it's a symptom of this dynamic where we just on a personal level have just tuned out mm-hmm. <laughs> We don't need LSD. We're doing that with work. We're doing that with sex. We're doing that with lack of sleep. We're doing that with drugs and alcohol. We're doing that with social media. Yes. Um, Video. Yes. We're doing it with all these food, socially acceptable things, Mm -hmm. but either individually or collectively, it's taking us away from our lives. Please read it. (laughs) (laughs) Because you will find a gem in there. I've, I've, 
been encouraged by people that have sent me messages through social media saying, wow, you know, I have this sitting on my bedside stand and I reread this one chapter over and over again because I keep forgetting. Yeah. I keep forgetting. And I read that and it reminds me of, reconnects me back into my core. And then I remember, and then I'm noticing more and I'm more alive. So, So is there a website? Obviously, we'll link everything. We know we can find you on the Amazon, but... My website was taken down by a virus. Nice! (laughs) Woohoo! But it is is out on Amazon, and I do have a Facebook site. Okay. So, we'll link all of those, but what are they? Reclaiming Choice, Awakening Peace and Power from Within. I have an audio book and an ebook out on Amazon, and uh, the Facebook site is by the same name. Cool. So, feel free to to ask to join the group and post and add any other inspirational or <laughs> thoughts or things that you've learned and experienced out there that you think um, people in the community would benefit from. So thank you for the plug. I appreciate Absolutely. it. <laughs> I would like to say before we end, even that I'm very thankful that Tim introduced me to you. Oh, um, and likewise. that just in general, like you're, you're just a very successful down to earth person that also like just has that additional like you you were speaking earlier about saying like oh I have a friend who's very like knows who they are and that like you are that as well you were Mm. just someone who knows yourself yes and you're not afraid to know your worth and I think that's something that a lot of people don't understand about themselves they don't know their worth our Sherpa no (laughs) (laughs) that is not a lie (laughs) and your producer like yeah you are (laughs) (laughs) so as always, Gretchen, we appreciate you. Yes. I'm so excited that you are on our show finally. Yay. I am too. This is you fun. You had a long flight. Yeah, this is way fun. Yes. So I flew in from North Carolina and I was like, we're going to do this. I'm going to be a little jet lag, but we're going to do this. Guys, her arms are tired. <laughs> and she's still here kicking it with us. Mm-hmm. So thank you so thank much, Gretchen, you. for our, for supporting us. Yes, yeah. for Dude. supporting us, for being such a wonderful person and a human in general, and for being my friend. I'm very grateful always for knowing you and that our friendship continues to grow as we continue to grow. Yes. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Well, you can find us on Instagram at Battle of Podcasts. You can find us on Twitter, Battle of Pod. Feel free to just send us all of your love, especially for Gretchen. Send all your love. Yeah, and go we'll buy her book. <laughs> Listen to it. I remember when she recorded it, she's got a super awesome dude like doing her music Ooh. on there. I remember Ooh. all of that. Steven C. Anderson. <laughs> Award-winning com- composer. He's awesome. <laughs> Thank you again, Gretchen. Yay. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye-bye.